It's the Where the Wild Things Are podcast bonus episode, full audio of one of our interviews. Welcome back to the Where the Wild Things Are podcast. I'm back this week and I've got a special guest with me. He is a pastor at Crossnor Baptist Church, well, actually a youth pastor yeah. at Crossnor Baptist Church. Matthew Jacobs joining me today. And Matthew, thank you for taking the time to come in. No problem at all, man. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, this actually kind of goes back to a conversation that you and I had um, a few months back when you were <laughs> kind of ministering to me in some <laughs> ways. And I was like, you know, that would be a great topic for a podcast. So I got in touch with him. And was like, hey, why don't you come in, talk with me, and uh, let's have this conversation. So um, basically what we're going to talk about today, I mean, with 2020 where it's at right now, uh, you know, welcome to level seven of Jumanji <laughs> is what a lot of people are saying right now. And Finish I, the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have the game. If you want to play it while we're, while we're doing this podcast, we could totally do that. And maybe if we can finish that game, then... See what happens. It works that way. I, never, if you didn't start the game, you don't get to finish the game. So who started the game? Depends on who you talk to. Right. <laughs> I, I guess so. I mean, you know, I guess it's because we started that movie trend again, and there we are. Right. But, you know, I, when we think about that aspect of things and how things are getting out of hand, things are getting crazy, things are getting hectic. Um, I mean, so far in 2020, we've seen a number of things that have happened, um, biblical things, honestly, if we really want to take a look at it, uh, we're seeing division in, in probably, I, I mean, I, I, I hesitate to say that this is the most divisive that it's ever been, but I will say that it's definitely the most divisive that we will ever see. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, but and it, it goes back to the scripture and, and I, I'll let you say that in just a second. I don't even know what you're going to say, but I know it'll be good. Um, but it goes back to scripturally. I mean, we see divisiveness throughout the scripture. Mm -hmm. um, but what aspects are, I mean, wh what's next? You know? <laughs> yeah, that's, I saw the other day with the, uh, and then I'll go back to my, my other thought the other day. Someone said, "Who who had giant sand mummies for a?" Uh, oh yeah, because of um, sand, because of sand, sand coming. So, I mean, it's something we just don't know. With every day, it almost seems like something new could be could be coming. And really, when you go back to divisiveness, you know, it, it's easy for us to sit here now and say this is the most divisive we've ever been. And to some degree, that that could be true. Except but, for there was a civil war well, in the well, 1860s. That's, that's what I was about to go to. Um, <laughs> So before the Civil War and the 10 critical years leading up to that, there was a case in the uh, Senate chambers where they were discussing the issue of slavery. And one of the gentlemen from South Carolina, one of the guys from the North, ridiculed him, mocked him for something. And there was a guy from South Carolina who went up there with his cane wall uh, one of the, not a walking stick, but I guess it is a walking stick. Mm -hmm. I was going to say walker, but I don't think they had walkers then. No, probably um, just cane, a cane. Cane walking stick after as soon as the, the session ended and went up there and beat the man against the head and broke his cane against him in the Senate <laughs> chambers of the United States of America. And uh, as much as we want to say this is the most divisive 
the uh, Republicans and Democrats have ever been. I, I haven't seen any fights break out yet physically in the chambers up in D.C. Oh, I don't think they would actually get into <laughs> physical fights. But have you watched what's happening between – well, I'm not going to say names. Um, let's just say between a certain – prominent figure in our Congress and a certain prominent figure in our country. Um, I think everyone can go that direction and know exactly what we're talking about here. It's, it's more word games now than it. And and I think the big difference that we see to why we make it, maybe why it feels this way is people have 24 seven access to everything. Oh, absolutely. So, so, I mean, we talk about it in in schools with cyberbullying, with bullying going on. And when, Back in the day, 30, 40 years ago, you had an issue with somebody. Y'all just went outside and beat each other up, and the fight's over. You're done. Right. Or now, well, I mean, even 20 years ago. Yeah. I, I, let's see. You you make it feel like it's old. I, I'm only 40, man. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but I can remember being in, in, well, I guess 30 years ago would be accurate <laughs> because about 25, 30 years ago, I can remember, you know, no cell phones, no computers. You're, or you're just beginning to get into the computer age. I mean, when I graduated high school, if this dates me, you probably can't remember a day in school, high school, that cell phones weren't in the hands of students. Not in high school, no. Um, I didn't have a cell phone until I graduated high school. And that was when I went off to college, and it was, a, it was that old Nokia brick that, that never broke. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I mean, if honestly... And I would be completely content going back and using that for now. Um, I feel like the phone I have is so fragile. Yeah. Almost like everyone in the world right now. I mean, fragility (laughs) is a conversation we are having right now because people's feelings are getting hurt Mm -hmm. so bad. Yeah. And no, fragility is not the conversation we're having. Actually, we haven't even got to the topic of conversation, but it leads to it. Yeah. Um, With with everything going on, we're watching people fall apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're falling apart because of um, this COVID-19, this pandemic situation. And you and I were talking before we came, started recording about how we've been here before. I mean, the Spanish flu, polio, yeah. and, and the same things were done then as they're being done right now. If, hey, let's just use caution um, but right now people's opinions apparently mean more to them than yeah. other people's lives. Yeah. And a- as a pastor, it's hard for us to not sit here and, you know, this one might get us in trouble with people, but honestly, I don't mind getting in trouble with people. They need to hear this. Um, the reality of it is if you're not willing to put other people's lives in front of your own cares and your own opinions and your own needs, you are not doing the Christian life. You're yeah. not living Christ-like because if Christ had one time taken his own opinion over the lives of everyone, he wouldn't have done what he did. Yeah. And there's a line on one of my favorite Christian artists on one of his songs. He says, and said, um, what's the fastest growing religion? It's called selfism. We uh, just dress it up and call it Christian. Well, you know, and, and humanism, yeah. is quite real yeah. and nobody wants to admit it no. but humanism is very real and it's it's i mean we may even put others first but who are we putting first before that are we putting yeah. christ before that yeah. or are we putting others yeah. before that because some of the nicest things that are being done in the world today are humanist because there is no christ in mm-hmm. it yeah um 
I, I use Gandhi as an example for that. You know, everybody would be like, well, Gandhi was Hindu. Gandhi was this. Gandhi thought Jesus was a prophet. Mm-hmm. He said that Jesus was a great man. He was, a, you know, he would have loved to serve beside him, but he would never put him in that category of Christ. Yeah. And uh, I think that we all kind of have to look at those things that are there. You mentioned music. Uh, Todd Agnew, and I think I've said this before, but the song, My Jesus. Um, I think I've said this actually on this podcast about another situation, but it's the same line. Uh, and that is that he says, my Jesus would never be accepted in my church. The blood and dirt on his feet might stain the carpet. Yeah. And, uh, in the, the conversation about the American church versus the church. Mm-hmm. And it really brings us into the moment of caring for one another. Um, so let me get into the meat of where we're going with this today with this question. But, um, I mean, we're seeing issues of all kinds right now, and it all has to do with loving your neighbor as yourself Yeah. or, you know, and I think one of the most eye opening conversations I ever had was with another pastor who, um, we were, we were talking about situations and I really wish I could remember who this conversation was with because I'd love to give credit where it's due. Um, but we're talking about things that are going on in the world. We're talking about things that are happening. And he started talking to me about my personal walk and my personal life. And he said, well, how are you doing? And how is this? And how is that? And as I'm going, I'm, I'm sitting there going, well, you know, I'd much rather make other people happy. I'd much rather do this. I'd much rather do that. I'd much rather. Do... And I still feel this way. Um, but it's something that has resonated with me since. And he made the statement to me. He said, read that verse one time. Well, I was like, okay. He says, you know, the whole do unto others, um, love your neighbor as yourself. And I said, right. So he said, not before yourself, not after yourself as yourself. He said, for you to understand what that means, you have to love yourself first. Yeah. And when that hit me now, now understand that's not the selfism that we're talking about. That's literally self-care. That's taking care of you, loving the Lord and then loving him enough to know how to serve him. Yeah. And so part of that is figuring out where all this fits. Well, if we look at Christ's life, if we look at all these things, but what would you say about it? I mean, as far as obviously we need rest, we need yeah. a Sabbath and that's ultimately the topic of where we're going to go today. But what would you say about all of these things? I mean, you know, as far as where we are right now in society, I think one of the things when we, we looking kind of transitioning towards the Sabbath is when we look at everything that is going on, it is exhausting. Oh, absolutely. In and of itself. Like, if you sit there and if you're watching the news and you're seeing everything going on in the news, two things happen. <laughs> no matter what news station yeah. you watch, two two things are going on from people that talk to me. Because I don't watch the news. I, I don't have to. <laughs> I, I just, people tell me about it. And I'm like, okay, I know what's going on. Um, just because there's been some times in my past where I've, I've sat there and I'm like, man, this has affected well, I'm going to say far more than it needs to, but, but with that, two things end up <laughs> happening. You either leave exhausted because you're like, man, how in the world did we get here? Or 
you're like, there's a bunch of crazy people. And we get mad and like we get frustrated and anger. And then we have to sit there as believers and go, you know, well, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James one nineteen and 20. And watch sit there and go, uh, <laughs> except that's, for, that's, except that's, for that's, in most people's <laughs> minds right now, that's quick to speak, quick yeah, to, yeah, it's the complete opposite you know, of what, quick what we're to told. speak, quick to um, anger. And, and, and we see the, the complete opposite, you know, last yesterday I was watching the, the, Pixar Disney movie um, Inside Out. It's like the one with the little emotions. It's, it's a cute yeah. movie. And there's like this one image of guy that's like the anger. When he gets mad, he's like full throttle and flames start coming out of his head. And I was like, that is everyone when they watch the news right now. You know, they're ready to go. And I even had some church members tell me this last week. Like, I've done the best thing I, I could do for myself. I've just had to cut off the news and I'm a happier person. And I was like, good. That that's probably is the best thing for you to do. And I, I think w- within all well, of this. Once Walter Cronkite passed away, there was no news <laughs> well, I, worth I, watching. I almost brought that up yesterday when I was talking <laughs> with somebody. Not that I remember him, but I've watched documentaries yeah. where, where he was he was in. And I really wanted to say, because we were talking about, it, it was last night, we were talking about how now you can watch the news and the language and the vocabulary that they're using would never have been acceptable way of communicating or talking about an individual 15 years ago. Oh, no. And I mean, in the in the, the, the obvious bias, I yeah. mean, even the news channels that in the last two years were trustworthy yeah. have now become non-trustworthy. I mean, this yeah. I work in media. I work in radio. Believe me when I say this, there's there's always bias now. Yeah. And and we've done away with parts of our of what journalism is about. Yeah. And I I do my best to try to report what I can as even killed, but I'm gonna report it from a Christian yeah. standpoint. What's well, impossible not to. Yeah. I mean as a as a as a follower of Christ, my my job is to make sure that I give you that biblical perspective yeah. on any topic that we might talk about. Now, I can't speak for everyone in the media because I don't know that there's that many out there right now yeah. um, that are that are going to do the same. I, I think you and I both could probably name a handful of I mean, we're seeing just to slide into this a little bit. We're, we're seeing pastors who are catering mm-hmm. to the social issues. And to the people rather than to the scripture right yeah. now. Yeah. We're seeing things slide away within the church because it's in the better name of, you know, well, well, we don't want to stir. Why not? If it's not biblical, let's not yeah. talk about it that way. True. Um, you know, my, my opinion is, is that, you know, if, if there's one verse that, we, you know, if, if, if it doesn't sit well with the spirit, then, then let's read it, let's study it and let's see why. And let's encourage, you know, yeah. let's not just buy in to everything that everyone's selling right now. Yeah. And, um, I mean, do you think that's a dangerous place for the church to be? Yeah, I, I think it is. this is the issue. And I think it's more or less an issue in the West than it is in other parts of the world. In the West, we are individualistic and we are entitled. No matter the generation, no we matter what age you are. We have the wrong idea what freedom is. Yeah, I mean... If you want to take off the mask, for example, not take off, but take on, however you want to look at that. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you look, look at the mask for an example. In the West, you're taking away my liberties. In the East, yeah, we're going to wear a mask because we care more about our neighbor. It's a societal well, thing. Let's be real, though. I mean, and, and, and this might step on some toes, but a lot of the people getting angry out there today 
have been wearing masks for years to church. And I'm not saying that in any way that absolves me because there's times where I've been like, you know what? Absolutely. I don't, I'm not trying to buy into that mentality of, well, if I give into a mask, then I'm going to be asked to give into a vaccine or this and that. I don't believe in that. Yeah. What I believe in is I love you. You're my neighbor. Yeah. You could die from this. I'm going to protect you. Yeah. I will wear a mask to protect you. Now, that being said, I'm also saying, you know, I recognize that social distance when can be achieved. I don't have to wear a mask right now. Yeah. So there's a happy medium here. I mean, what's so wrong with wearing a mask for 30 seconds when you're within that six foot radius of somebody? You know, I, I think that's what we need to look at. Yeah. We need to stop looking at it in a selfish perspective of saying, you know, you're, you're infringing upon my rights. Well, great. Your rights don't matter right now because what about Christ? Yeah. What about the church? What yeah. about how your witness is affecting someone yeah. else? Because you're infringing on their right to Christ. Yeah. If you do not share that witness, you're infringing on the call that he placed on your life. If you're not sharing that gospel and that's a hard, a hard point for people to yeah. hear. Yeah, no, it de definitely is. And I, with all this that goes on, it is, it's just exhausting. Right. You know, even talking about it, right now, I'm like, you know, like, <laughs> exactly. You know, like, like it's just exhausting going on. I, I think to, to switch gears a little bit and look at the, the concept of a, of Sabbath, both for the pastor and both for the Christian, um, it will look different to some degree. And what, I, what I'm saying this, and I want y'all to listen to this carefully, <laughs> is when does your pastor work? All the time. All the time. <laughs> or as we like to joke, as, as churchmen love to joke, we only work two days a week. You work Sunday, and then they might give you Wednesday. Someone might just say one day a week. Yeah, um, d depends on the context. And so Sunday. Well, well, that's uh, for a moment. Just number one, the idea of Sabbath. We need to get back to the root of where that comes from. Yeah. Uh, but while you're talking about work, how many pastors do you know that that's their only their only task at all? I mean, let's be honest. Bivocational. In, is in a area, word that goes with pastor yeah. in our area. Yeah, and th this area is a completely different ball game, right? For me, um, because I th I only know a maybe a handful in every county that would be considered a full time pastor as far as this is their only vocation, right? Like I mean, most are by vocation. I am most definitely by vocation, <laughs> yeah. um, and many of the pastors that I know are most definitely mm -hmm. by vocational because you're talking about. You are the pastor at a church, and yes, you're expected to kind of handle the same thing as a full-time pastor. Yeah. And um, you're also balancing a 40-hour-a-week job or whatever, whatever you is. need yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, so you have to be very careful about, well, you only work one day a week. Well, yeah, but I also work two other jobs <laughs> yeah. to pay my bills. Yeah. Um, that's another conversation for another day about how many bills we might have and how we could address that. Uh, but you brought up the Sabbath and talking about how, um, that rest is important, mm -hmm. you know, and that it looks different for both sides, uh, whether it be the Christian or, but it, it is important for all. I mean, yeah. there's a reason it was a law, Yeah. but I, I, I mean, 
when we trace that back, it does. It, it goes all the way back to creation, right? Yeah, it goes all the way back to creation. He so. he institutes it. We know as believers, you can go back and read Genesis one, <laughs> and you're going to see that he creates in six days. He created everything, and on the seventh day, he rested from all of his labors. I don't, should we look that up? If you need to. If you need to. <laughs> Um, it's going to be towards the end of Genesis chapter one. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, right there after the whole he created man thing, yeah, and it was very good, and it was very good. You know, then he says, so so you're talking Genesis one uh, twenty six, twenty seven, and beyond. Um, let's see here, I'm I'm, you know, I'm looking it up for us right now, so I can give you exact reference. I'm not going to read it, but. Um, Oh, wait, no, no, no. Is it, it at the start of Genesis 2? It's, it's the start of Genesis okay. 2 because it's the first three verses of Genesis 2. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed the work that he had done, and he rested. On the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. And it's not because he was tired. No. Well, let's just go ahead and, and, and unpack that for a second. Yeah. It wasn't because God sat there and went, <laughs> yeah. and it was. And then he's like, oh, man, my breath, man, that was exhausting to breathe today. He didn't have emphysema. I mean, he, he was sitting there and he spoke everything into existence. Except for one. Man. He formed man he formed with his own hands. He, he, he reached down. And he breathed life, life into, into him. So his breath was part of that. His breath was part of that, but his speech was not. Um, but well, I guess it was when he said, "Let us make man." Yeah, uh, it was the Trinity. So if you have an issue with the Trinity, there it is in creation. Right. Um, not jumping off horse, but with that is is he institutes this not because he is exhausted. As you look at creation, it could be exhausting sitting there looking at all of creation and thinking through, man, that all the detail. That is in mm-hmm. every aspect of creation. You, you drive up to the parkway, go to the viaduct, you look out, and that's a vast distance to look out. Right. And that's just a small, small, minute glimpse of everything that he'd created. And we see the bigness and the awesomeness of God with that. But he, he, he rests on that seventh day, instituting for us the Sabbath. Mankind cannot make it long-term working seven days days a week I can attest to that yeah it, you you can't I mean you know and I, I can attest to that I mean when this whole pandemic thing started uh, things got ramped up mm-hmm. I mean I'm not the only one I can I can tell you a number of folks you know being in the radio business and having to get the information out as well as pastoring a church uh, recording doing all these things I mean at at best, it was ten hours a day, maybe more. Yeah, we're talking seven days a week, and and just in the last few weeks, my health, I've had to take steps back and be like, whoa, wait a minute, I need that rest. Yeah. And this is where you ministered to me a few weeks ago, and and where you were like, hey, you can't keep doing this. You're going seven days a week. You're not the only one. I mean, I've had a couple of ministers that are uh, part of a group we have here, and uh, who have contacted me and be like. Hey, you need to take a step back. And then while I'm praying about what to do for the podcast, I'm like, I'm not the only one that has this problem. Yeah. And so that's when I called you up because of the conversations we have had. And I was like, Hey, why don't you join me for this? Yeah. Um, 
And, and one of the reasons that you've given me is that exact reason. But there was a couple other things that you said to me, too, that I was wanting to uh, give you a chance to touch on as well um, with the process of all this. But, you know, the the purpose, I, I guess, that we're trying to talk about here is the fact that as Christians, um, you know, you talked about it looking different mm -hmm. for a pastor and a Christian you kind of moved me into both realms of that with conversation to let me see that I had to really be aware of what was yeah. happening. Uh, can you, can you kind of go over some of, some of that again? Yeah. Here? I'll, try, I'll try to rehash. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying said, to remember. What I said a couple months ago. So, so basically when I, when I say this, speaking to the Christian first, when it comes to Sabbath, Sabbath at its most basic meaning is rest in God. Right. Okay. So when we go back and we look at the Old Testament and we go to Exodus chapter 20 and he gives us the Ten Commandments and he sits there and says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And we see that commandment. What he is saying is when we look at everyone else in culture, we got to think back Old Testament. We got to think back to the culture, the environment they were living in. Everywhere they had been, there was polytheism, meaning multiple gods. They're coming out of Egypt. God has redeemed them. He has brought the plagues in the early sections of Exodus. He brings them out. I think in Exodus 13, they cross the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. He leads them by a pillar, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. He's leading them out to this promised land that he has given them. And Moses goes up to Mount Sinai and get these Ten Commandments. And the reason for this is, one, when you think about it, you have been in slavery for 400 years building the pyramids, building all these things that the Egyptians were making them build, how often do you think they got rest as slaves? Well, I'll give you my quick answer, never. Because if you ever give people rest that are slaves to you, you're never going to get finished these amazing architectural defeats that you're wanting to build. Right. And so when God has redeemed his people, he's brought them out of Egypt and he's looking at them and he's giving them these commandments. And the thrust of these 10 commandments is you are to be different than everybody else. When he sits with the first commandment and says, you shall have no other gods beside me. You're going to look different because everyone's polytheistic. You're going to be monotheistic. You're going to be worshiping mm -hmm. me and me alone. He goes to the second commandment, cut out all idols where everywhere you went, there were idols. There were things they worshiped. He's setting a, a standard of, it looks different to be my child. You need to remember what it was like when, before Joseph and before the famine and before slavery. He's setting a standard. And so when he says that, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, he's giving them really two blessings. One, he is pointing them back to creation in that he rested in the model that we need to, because our bodies aren't going to make it seven days a week. But he's also, he's given them a blessing mm -hmm. because for 400 years they had worked nonstop. And he says, guys, remember the Sabbath day. Worship me and rest. It's a gift from God. It's not a burden. And what ends up happening from there is as these people move and time passes, we see the Pharisees come in and start to create laws around this Sabbath. Right. And when they start to create laws around this Sabbath, with good intentions, like, we don't want to fall back to how we were in Egypt. Well, I mean, and the problem is, and it's much like today, mm -hmm. where you take the word of God, 
and then you say, well, that can't mean that. So yeah. let's let's figure this out mm-hmm. in our terms that we can understand. So the Pharisees had looked at the law and they said, well, no one can work on the Sabbath. Meaning if, you're, if your ox breaks his leg, you can't get him out of the ditch kind of no. thing. And you have to leave him, but he's going to die. So then they would make a law around that. Well, that's common sense. That's yeah. not work. That's not what. You know, that's not providing for your life. Right. It, it, it doesn't mean, you know, not working according to them was literally doing nothing. Yeah. I don't think that's exactly what taking the Sabbath means. And, and as I've studied this and I've looked at this and, and what continues to come to mind is that whole love your neighbor as yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. There's many ways we can look at that. Number one, love your neighbor as you love yourself um, and not just the whole love yourself because you matter and all of that, but literally make sure you love yourself. Don't despise yourself. Don't disrespect yourself. Don't put yourself down. Don't don't cut yourself short. Um, Make sure that you're taking care of you while you're taking care of others. Yeah. That mentality and looking at it in that way, um, don't put yourself first, but don't put yourself after. Yeah, don't don't forget yourself. Right. In the process. Like, and, and by putting myself in that mindset, I've realized, okay, I must take care of me. It doesn't mean I'm having to take care of me first. Like, that's one of the things that when people say it to me, I cringe. They're mm-hmm. like, well, you got to take care of you first because you got to make sure that you know, and, and anybody that's ever said that to me, I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah. But the problem I have with it is I don't believe that I should ever put myself first. Um, in fact, I, th- I think I come third. Love God, love people, then me. Yeah. You know, um, you know, that's, there's always the the factor of but we do have to take care of self. Yeah. Uh, meaning, you know, our family needs to come before someone else's family. Sometimes our leadership can only happen if people see that good example in us. Mm-hmm. So if I'm saying to others, take a Sabbath, I need to take a Sabbath. Yeah. If I'm saying to others that to, to do these things, I also need to do these things. Yeah. And I believe that taking it back to the creation story is as basic as it can come. Yeah. That God said, take a Sabbath. I took a Sabbath. Yeah. You know, it's not do as I say, it's literally do as I do. Yeah. And that's the same thing with Jesus. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. Do what I've done. So I think that the Sabbath is one of the most basic mm-hmm. of Christian yeah. things. And and I don't know why in the world, and not to unpack, you know, how it shifted, but it's, it's almost like the idea of Sabbath is burdensome on people. Pastor or everyday church member and what i mean by that is we have to do x we have to do blank we can't do this and as a believer and when we sit back and we're talking about change of christianity (laughs) all right go back to when my mom was younger okay so let's go back 40 50 years ago somewhere in there and my grandmother would always let's hope she doesn't hear this (laughs) I hope she does. I hope she does. What's well, funny, I call my dad old man. <laughs> well, but but with this, if we go back 40, 50 years ago, there wasn't no restaurant open on Sunday. 
when 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 you when you got off church when you left church your mom probably or grandmother I think it was somewhere in the eighties that happened yeah it started to shift because I remember going on Sunday afternoons Pizza Hut was the place still is the place I <laughs> true but, but but with that you know restaurants weren't open your my my mom talked about when she was little my grandmother would make the food on Saturday evening. Mm-hmm. And we just heat it up on Sunday. Well, let's let's take a look at that real quickly because I don't want to, you know. And I mean, we may have to do a two part thing here. I, but <laughs> there's a few things with the church that I I think we need to address. One, meals. Why not make it the night before or early that morning? Yeah. You know how many how many people get up and leave the service to prepare the meal for afterwards. Yeah. I don't mind waiting an hour on it after the church service is over. No. Um, and that's nothing against anybody in my church or yeah. your church or anywhere else. Um, we've become so wrapped up in a modern society yeah. of hurry. Yeah. Hurry up and wait. You know, yeah. it's like, let's make sure that we get all this stuff done because it needs to be done. It needs to be done now. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to. And there's no time left in it for us to rest. Yeah. And And it's. It's the shift that Satan has led us to. Yeah. And, and I mean, if we're being honest, Satan is the father of lies. Yeah. And we've found ourselves in a, in a conversation of, well, let's go back to the statement I made earlier, freedom. We're, we're right around the 4th of July. Freedom in itself is a dangerous word. Yeah. Because true freedom, according to scripture, comes from one place and one place alone and that is christ yeah um if the son has set you free then you are free indeed that doesn't come from a program it doesn't come from a government style it doesn't come from how the government works uh republic democrat whatever yeah yeah or democracy or republic or a democracy. I I don't know how to call it anything anymore. (laughs) We hear all these opposite terms, opposing terms that are really thrown about in society today, but money, you know, the foresight of God to address every issue that we will ever face in life in his own word through the prophets and through the disciples and through the apostles. um, The Bible talks about money. Yeah. What does it say about money? It says, it doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says that the love of money, meaning what would take place if we began to love money? Yeah. What would take place if money began to take over our lives? Well, he even gave us those examples, tax collectors. What do they do? They love money. They take money for the government. Then they turn around and take money for themselves for themselves yeah. so that they could get paid and then they turn around and do these things i mean if you don't believe that that's taking place think about zacchaeus mm. how does a man who is taking extra from the people when he turns around to pay it back able to give him four times what he took you can't tell me that he put himself in debt to do that yeah I mean, I think he had that much money, he was able to just give it all back. But that's the sad part mm-hmm. of cheating the system. Yeah. And when we talk about systemic things and what's going on, 
the love of money has become where government's grounded, where all these things are happening. And even so much um, within the church, the tithing has gone down because people are afraid to let go. They need, they feel the need to make their own need. Yeah. Um, so the better question on that might be, where did the shift change? Not necessarily from the rest, but from trusting in God. Mm. Because I believe that that love of money is what led to a seven day a week job. Yeah. That love of money, because we didn't trust God to provide for our needs, led to us not tithing as much, not giving to the church, not pouring in like we should. What we see is there's a huge shift in the economy post-World War II. Right. So you go post-World War II, everyone comes back from war, and the economy booms. Suburbs boom. Neighborhoods boom. The economy is booming. That, that's when you sit there and you see the, the leave, it, leave it to beaver type homes. You have the nice row of homes with the white picket fences out in front of them and the swing and the dog, and you have maybe two cars instead of one car out in the driveway. And so what we see is as the economy got better, so did the comfort level of individuals. Because we now, we know we could, we could make it pre-World War II off of scraps and rations. Now that we have an income coming in, we can splurge. And that idea of splurging has only increased throughout generations since. Well, I mean, right now, the poverty level is set for a family or for an individual, I guess. Um, probably somewhere around, I'm trying to think, it, it feels like it's around like $25,000, dollars $27,000 a year. Somewhere around there to 30 something. Um, maybe yeah. even, I know that, you know, at one point, you know, we continue to go for more and more and more. And you're talking families who, um, who don't make that yeah. in some areas while yeah. other families make millions and that, you know, and, and then you get into the whole conversation of, well, you know, the government can't take from this and give to that, you know, it's the whole Robin Robin hood effect. But the reality is, isn't, you know, if we look at the book of acts, the church wasn't, was supposed to do that for one another. <laughs> you know, it, there's certain parts of the body that need to fulfill certain needs. Well, the moment we gave price tags to those needs, we removed the need of the church. Yeah. Because all of a sudden the carpenter doesn't make as much as the as the farmer yeah. or whatever. And then you're you're social classing yourselves out of something. Yeah. And you know, now you've got certain parts of the social classes saying well, we don't need this social class. Well, that's not scriptural. Yeah. <laughs> so as we look at that, and but this is where the, the, the lack of faith that we have as a society has now led us to yeah. the need for seven-day-a-week jobs because people can't make ends meet. Yeah, or, or even if it's not necessarily just a seven-day-a-week job. Or having two or three jobs. Yeah. Two or three jobs, but even you can even have a five week job, five day job. The issue is people are selfish. 
with no matter what time they have. Sure. Church is a waste of an hour to three hours, depending on how your church functions, a week. That's the best time for me to go to the grocery store because it's not crowded. <clears throat> you know, I mean, you laugh, but I've had people tell me this. Well, I had, I had someone I had, tell me, they were like, well, you know, I couldn't do the online version of the service. And if she's listening to this, I'm sorry, but I, it, it makes a good, you know, it was a misunderstanding that we had, but it makes a good illustration. Um, now, but, you know, I realized looking back after the conversation, we've talked about it, everything's fine. But I do want to throw it out there because it's one of those things if she, you know, I heard her say this, but I misunderstood what she said. But you hear that conversation, and I've, I have heard others say this too, that, it's like, well, you know, I just don't have time to do the online service. You know, when we had to move to into the homes to do some of this stuff. And it's like, well, why not? I was like, they're at the same exact times as our regular service. And it's like, well, I was doing well for a couple of weeks and then I had better things to do. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's also, the, that's everything. I mean, I know before all this COVID-19 stuff happened, there's several pastors in the area that were very optimistic that because of everything going on, that churches are going to be packed like they were after 9-11. And I looked at them and said, no, it's not. No, it's the wheat and the tares. I, I said, when we sit there and look, I said, this makes it more convenient to get out of the rhythm. Yeah. Because if people do not take seriously the gathering of the body and do not take seriously the worship of God, then when they have an option not to, they're going to take it. Well, you know, I, I've said this a few times, and it is the wheat and the tares. It's straight up the wheat and the tares, and we're watching the destruction of the church right in front of us. Um, but it's it's not that it isn't biblical. Mm -hmm. It's that we've become so wrapped up in self. Going back to that conversation, you started way back in this conversation, the selfism, the humanist side of us to please ourselves selfishness has overrun yeah. the church it's my opinion it's why the church is split it's why um you know the book of acts was one church yeah it was one body then when they moved to towns it was still the one body they were all part mm -hmm. of the same church it wasn't that they went to ephesus and started a christian church and then went to um you know start a church in Pergamum, wherever you yeah, want. Pergamum yeah. or wherever, you know, and then they went, um, you know, like the Philippines wasn't a Baptist church, you know, the Philippian group, not Philippines, but, um, Philippi, Philippi wasn't a Baptist church. It's been a day. Um, <laughs> Philippi wasn't a Baptist church, you know, and then the Lutherans didn't exist in another town or anything. You know, it was, it was one church. It was Christ's church. And you had the same minister who was making the rounds planning those churches, and then he would go. So when we look at that aspect of it, where did we all of a sudden split? It became selfish. Yeah. I want this color carpet. Well, I want this color stained glass. Well, I want this. I want that. I want this. And somewhere along the way after the Civil War, really, I mean, right before it, we had that starting to split. But really it took effect after the Civil War moving forward, where all of a sudden you're getting the Baptist, the Lutheran, the Methodist, the real big up 
take in the whole thing. And then everybody's like, well, how did we get where we're at? Well, it's because we allowed division to cause the church to split. Yeah. The once we caused the church to split, then doctrines begin to split. Things started changing. And now all of a sudden, you know, it's like, well, well, what kind of church do you go to? And it's like, we're all different. Yeah. We worship the same God. Yeah. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why can't we get the church? And so I see this as a transition period back to the church of old in some ways. Yeah. Or else the church is going to fail. Yeah. And so the wheat and the tares situation, I think it's beautiful that he allowed the tares to grow to maturity. Just like he allowed the wheat to grow to maturity. And then what we're watching happen right now um, with the turmoil around us, I think it's why every generation has something like this. This is the time where the wheat and the tares are now separated, mm-hmm. where the thrashing begins. And when it's over, I I do believe there will be people that do not return. Well, yeah. I mean, you sit there and you look in many instances in the New Testament and you're going to see they went out from us, but they were not of us. Mm-hmm. You go to Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus is and says, Many will say to him in that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And Christ says to him, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers right. of iniquity or lawlessness, however your translation does that. <laughs> and we, we have to understand that there's many people who play church. Oh, absolutely. There's many people that served in VBS. There's many people that sang in choir. There's many people that were deacons. There were many people that were pastors. There were many, many people who thought they were part of Christ, mm-hmm. but never knew him. They gave their heart to an institution and not to the Savior, which leads us back into looking at this idea of the Sabbath, is that the Sabbath is a gift from God to where we worship him and we rest in him. And we do not become emotionally drained. We don't become emotionally drained. We don't and, become overwhelmed. Yeah. Over, I mean, it's 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 not a burden. It is a delight. It should be a delight to gather with the body. Well, and 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 God knew mm-hmm. Jesus when he spoke to the disciples knew this was going to be an issue. If you don't believe me, look at Matthew eleven. Yeah, when Jesus says, "Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you, you rest. rest." Yeah. If 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 you're having trouble finding a Sabbath on your own, come to me. I will make it happen. Yeah. I will give you that rest you've been looking for. Yeah. So, so a prime example of where this idea of Sabbath really started to take root in my life. Senior in college, I had been pastoring a small church for two years. Mm-hmm. I had left that church because I just felt I'm what, 20, 21, whatever I was, 21 years old. I was like, I've never sat underneath someone and learned ministry outside of 10 weeks at my home church for an internship over the summer. I need to learn how to do ministry in the church. Right. And so I resigned from a church that I was pastoring to go become an unpaid intern at a church. And so while I was doing that, I was interning at a church, working about 25 to 30 hours at Lifeway and taking 18 hours of college classes. Okay. How'd that work out? <laughs> We're getting there. So I went through an identity crisis to some degree because for two years I was known as the pastor like in the theology department I was like, Man, he's the pastor like he's the senior pastor at a church and going from every week preparing sermons to minister to the flock that God had given me my quiet time had always been surrounded some degree 
personal time, but a lot of it, like many other pastors, was surrounded in sermon prep. And when I wasn't preparing sermons, I was so busy. Like, I ended up doing doing the math, but I was so exhausted that I literally could go home, I could lay down and be in bed and pass out at 10 o'clock at night, set my alarm, and I would never hear it the next day and would wake up at 11 or 12 o'clock. And it was so bad. I was so exhausted. I understand that. That my GPA dropped to a 1.28 in school because I was missing class after class after class. And it, every time that I was not at work, I was not at the church, I was sleeping. Mm-hmm. I was absolutely just exhausted. And it came to a point that I got called into the dean's office and he rebuked me. And I mean, I, I used to have an email that he sent me to call me to this meeting. He was like, if this was sent, if this this. And what it was, was I had gotten so busy and based literally off of the time that you're supposed to be in class, the time you're supposed to be studying, the time I was at work, the time I was at the church, I had negative hours a day. And I had to sit there and we went on a mission trip to New York City over Christmas break. And on that trip, I realized I've got to cut some stuff back, no matter what that looks like. <laughs> I've got to figure out how to cut something. Something has got to cut out because I don't you know, have as enough. many conversations as you and I have had. You and I have a very similar story in this yeah. because it took a trip to New York for me to really open my eyes to the need of rest. Yeah. And even then I didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got it. <laughs> and, you know, I realized that one, you know, me not resting was affecting my reputation as a believer, which was affecting the kingdom's reputation. Because if I'm not doing well in school and everyone knows I'm a theology student and I was the prefet, I was not the professor, sorry, president of the theology department and I almost flunked out the last semester, what does that say about Christ and his beauty? <laughs> and so I, I went on a mission the next semester that I need to rest in Christ, which means I've got to cut back time and I've got to spend time in his word. Yeah. But I... I I'm not, I can't rest on Sunday because I'm working at the church. Well, yeah, and, and, and you bring up a, a good point, and, and to get, we'll get back to your story in a second, but I want to ask this question. How? Because as a pastor, you and I both know, it's real easy to fall into the trap of, well, what I'm preaching on this week's a great start, uh, a great place to study. Yeah. Or vice versa, well, I've been studying this this week, so why don't I make a sermon out yeah. of it? And, and the reality is that's not where we need to be yeah. for our rest time. Yeah. Because if we're if we're constantly on, you know, I know we're supposed to be instant in season and out of season, but if we're always on with that, then we're not resting. Yeah. Well, you've got to sit there, and I think to a degree is when you look in Revelation chapter two and you see him talking to the church at Ephesus, and his rebuke to the church at Ephesus says, "But I have this against you, that you have forgotten your first love." Absolutely. And I think as pastors and as believers. We get so busy and caught up in the daily grind of life that we forget what it was like to fall in love with Christ. Oh, yeah. We forget what it's like to be hungry for him and hungry for his word. And so for the Christian or for the pastor, you have got to find time daily to spend with him. And that doesn't have to be an hour, uh, five minutes. Spend some time just reading through one of his books. Take time. I mean, there's stuff as simple as take a proverb a day. 
<laughs> you know, right. You know, you can do that every month. I've done that. I, I've and, told that to people, and they're like, "What? Well, you can do that?" And I'm like, "There's 31." Yeah. I was like, you don't sometimes. need to read Proverbs 31 every month. It's fine. Some 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 people do. Uh, some people do, but but men, you could probably do without, <laughs> or unless you're looking for one, and then you might want to keep <laughs> you need, reading. You need to study this one. That's you know? what she looks like now. Um, but, but the reality is this: you, you've got to spend time with God. I mean, if you're in a relationship with somebody and you only talk to them once a week, how good is that relationship? Not that well. You've got right. to fall back in love with Him. And when you fall in love with God and you're spending time with his word, then you look forward to the time you get to worship him with the body. And so as the believer, the everyday Christian, you have got to fight for that time, yeah. which means maybe you need to cut the news off. Maybe you need to get off Facebook or maybe, <laughs> you know, you need to get off Instagram. Maybe you just need to get off these social media platforms or just stop calling people to talk about the random gossip that you heard at Ingalls or wherever it right. was. Why do these things exist? Yeah. Because the devil has planted the idea in someone's mind to, you know, well, let's be honest. Okay, dating sites, they exist because the devil planted that idea in somebody's mind that that's how it needed to happen. Now, I'm not saying that if you met your spouse online, that's a problem. What I'm saying, then you get into Christian mingle because somebody wanted the Christian church to look like the world yeah. to attract people in. Um, and that's where I was going with that. You know, I, and then I think of... Um, one comedy skit that I saw and I'll have to talk to you about that. Not on the podcast. Yeah. Um, but we've tried to make the church look like the world yeah. because we think different. that's what it's supposed to look like. Nothing in the Bible tells me to swim with the stream. It doesn't tell me to swim with the flow. And, you know, if Paul was going to do that, you know, when Paul had that Damascus road thing, he would have just kept going. Yeah. I mean, let's just remove Christ from all the stories that are in the scripture. Let's just remove Christ from everything that's taking place. And then we see how that story plays out. The Samaritan just walks by like the other two. The guy dies in the ditch because he didn't have somebody love on him. Yeah. And it's because the Samaritan put the other man first at that moment. That doesn't mean he put him first in his life because the Samaritan did what he would have had done to him. He took the man to an end. He paid for the guy's room. Then he went about his business. He didn't stick around and and give everything to this guy. Yeah. But he did what needed to be done to take care of him. Yeah. Where is that mentality in the church today? Well, it starts with a Sabbath. Let's be honest. It's because we've realized we need to take rest, that we are cl clearly thinking about God's word. Yeah. And not just throwing about what everybody's told us year after year after year. I mean, tradition is one of the worst things that can happen. Yeah. It's just well, old people bullying. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's not even necessarily tr tradition is not the issue. It's when you fall into a tradition to where you don't have the right heart behind it. Right. I mean, I mean, if we sat there and let's say that this was Memorial day weekend and we have a memorial service for all those who've served in our military at the town square in Newland, well, if we're just doing that because it's what we've always done, it becomes insignificant. But if we're doing that because, man, I remember my Uncle Johnny, and my Uncle Johnny fought in Vietnam. And I want to remember and honor, you know, my uncle who passed away in Vietnam on Memorial Day or Veterans Day. We're going to sit there and honor these things. Then that's exactly what we're doing on the Sabbath is we're giving honor to the one who created all things and who died for us. Well, 
you bring up a good point, and I think this is a great point to maybe point out exactly where this is. Um, Memorial Day is a day set aside to honor those who died in service. Mm -hmm. Armed Forces Day is a day set aside to honor those who are active in service. Mm -hmm. Veterans Day is a day set aside to remember those who served. Yeah. There's a lot of contention within the Armed Forces ranks as to, well, Veterans Day, you know, people on Memorial Day want to say thank you for your service. And the veterans are all like, whoa, don't thank me for my service today. Today's about the ones that died next to me. Today's about the ones that died in service, you know. And it's a day to remember, not a day to to honor. Yeah. And so there's all of these conversations that take place. Well, it's kind of like the Sabbath. There's actually resting on the Sabbath compared to thinking you're resting on the Sabbath mm -hmm. compared to telling others to rest on the Sabbath, you know, and, and I use that as a loose analogy, but I mean, really it's, it's understanding the, the core value of what it is. And, and the other Sabbath doesn't have to be a Saturday or a Sunday. What? Well, wait, am I allowed to say that as a pastor? Well, how are you going to have a Sabbath if you're, preaching on the sabbath is that rest i mean right. I've, heard, I've heard the equivalent of a 20-hour sermons and the equivalent of an eight-hour work week um an eight-hour work day sorry not week eight a 20 work, minute sermon 20 right? minute okay sermon. i thought you said 20 hour i was like good grief man that's definitely more than an eight-hour work that's day David Platt. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> hashtag secret church hey um, it was good but, but but with that is you've got to understand this and going back to the beginning i think we probably have to come to a wrap up of this eventually <laughs> we're going to land the plane at some point but yeah. with, with this we have to understand the sabbath is going to look different for different people even within the church whether you're the pastor or the everyday church member because i'll give you a prime example since i've lived up here i work every sunday sunday is not a day of rest for me that sunday is a day of work for me it, I, i'm i'm at the church several hours a day sometimes i'm there longer on sunday than i am the eight hours that I'm there every other day of the week. And with that, there was one day, because the normal rhythm of ministry, even on your off days, you're working. Like, you, right. you have to go to this funeral, you have to go to this thing, you have to go to that thing. And it was a wet, wet spring and summer. And it rained every day I was off. And finally, there comes a day, and it's a Sunday, mm -hmm. and my grass needs to be cut. It is like belling hay height out there. And I go out there one day and I'm cutting grass. And I have some church members drive by and I'm like, Matthew, you know you're not supposed to cut grass on a Sunday. You use the first words out of my mouth when they say that, though? And, and I, then you should have stopped and wrote it for me. <laughs> well, I, I sat there and told them. I was like, let me explain something to you. And I explained the Sabbath. And I said, I work on Sundays. So what day is my day of rest? Well, I had never thought about it that way. And so it really started changing in some people's minds. My pastor doesn't rest on Sunday. Yeah. He doesn't get to rest like well, me, which which means this for the for the believer. Yeah. Do not be legalistic in the approach of when someone rests in the Lord because the rhythm of their life is going to be different than the rhythm of your life. And as a pastor, and I'm going to jump on the pastor for a moment, you cannot, bivocational not. Be intentional to find the rest. You have got to be intentional to find the rest because if you don't, you will get burnout most pastors are looking thursdays they're looking mondays they look for the day after yeah. that um i know one thing that i've tried to do because i'm bivocational 
is I do try to find a day at the end of the week. Yeah. Um, you know, if Saturday works, I yeah. love to try to take Saturday. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that I also found peace in doing was, okay, I'm not going to be able to get a Sabbath this week. So how do I incorporate that into seven days? Whereas I intentionally find hours in a day to take a Sabbath, um, whether it be a walk while I'm listening to the scripture and just praying, um, whether it's where I take two, three hours in that day and set those aside, not counting my sleep. I mean, sleep doesn't count as Sabbath. This is rest with the Lord. This is rest in Christ, not rest because you're tired. Yeah. You know, there's 168 hours in a week. You're going to sleep roughly. Let's say you get five hours of sleep a night. Well, that's 35 hours during the week. You know, between 35 and 42 hours during the week, you're going to work 40 hours during that week. Well, that's 82 hours if you're looking at six hours of sleep. Um, if you're going eight hours of sleep, then you're going up that 56-hour range, which then you're, you know, 96 hours. So either way, you're leaving yourself with very few hours to work with uh, yeah. for other things because then you want to incorporate all these other things. Well, 17 of those hours needs to be dedicated to the Lord anyway because that's your 10%, right? Uh, we can get into tithing another day. Um, but so, I mean, is that something that you, I mean, I know you told me, you were like, look, you need to be intentional with your time, make days, make this happen, yeah. make that happen. Um, but you know, some weeks when I know that won't happen. Yeah. And that's, and that's going to happen. Yeah. I, I think in all honesty, for me, I make it up. Yeah. Because, because I have to, I know what it was like to be, 100% exhausted to where I couldn't do nothing. Right. You know, you get to Psalms and you read about the sluggard who can't get out of his bed. He's hinged his bed. He sits there and says, there's a line in the streets or I can't go out. Well, let's be honest. We're, we're what, 16 weeks into this mess right now? Yeah. The, the whole shutdown and everything else. Yeah. Everybody's tired right now. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are that person. Yeah. But what you have to do is you, once you fight, to get back into that relationship and in that rhythm, it becomes a blessing. It becomes mm -hmm. a joy. You look forward to it. And that, that, oh my gosh, it's so hard for me to spend five minutes reading this Bible, becomes a, have I really been reading this for an hour? Yeah. And you've got to be intentional. So, so for me, and I've seen this with hearing different pastors talk about burnout and talk about like medical issues that arose from them going, 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 going to my, um, one of my, my mentors while I was in college his wife, every so often, she could tell when he was starting to reach burnout because he was, he was, I don't even know how you'd call him. He was just a, a unique beast of God. That he was like a tribe. <laughs> like, he he was full-time professor in college. He was getting paid somewhat between like part-time and full-time at a church. And he was also doing other ministry things on the side. I mean, I can and, I can feel him on he, this life. He 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 was a busy, busy individual. Yeah. And speaking engagements, all these different things. And his wife knew, she could tell when he was getting short and when he was getting frustrated. She could tell his demeanor and was like, "Baby, you you need to take off." And so she would send him off on like a mini vacation for a weekend or a long weekend. So whether that was him taking off and go into Atlanta or him taking off to go to New York, him taking off to go somewhere, or even if it's like, honey, you need, just need to get away, go spend the night, 
down the road at the hotel, <laughs> you know, and turn the TV off, turn everything off, and just rest. Right. Take your Bible and just rest. And that's the example that I have with a lot of people from back home, is that example of they get away and rest in God. Mm-hmm. My, my, my legit mentor is now a senior pastor at the church that I worked at in college, and he, they send him off, the church sends him off so often for a two or three day. Well, you know, I mean, I can, I know the importance of it. Yeah. You, you and I had this conversation and where I overwhelm my own self. I mean, yeah. just using my own example here, um, just last fall, I had a wedding to go to. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take two weeks off of my job at the church, whatever. And, uh, so I left early in one week, drove to the wedding, which was in Minnesota. Then I drove back from the wedding, you know, rented a car, drove it, spent two weeks on the road. And it was me making up for a lot of Sabbaths that I had missed because the reality was that in the process of taking that two week period, almost as a sabbatical to be away, to be out of the image of everything that was going on in my life. When I returned, I was renewed Mm -hmm. and that's where Sabbath brings you. Um, you know, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. I will renew you. I will regenerate you. You have to have that soul regenerated by Christ. Yeah. So, um, but man, I, I appreciate you taking the time to come in and I, I feel like we could honestly talk about this for hours. (laughs) Um, but we, we need to take a Sabbath from this conversation probably. Um, but man, if, I know that, that folks, I want to give you a second just to talk about, you know, you, you are part of one podcast and, um, the, I think the Baptist association yeah, around so, here. Yeah. So we, we are, I am also one of the co-hosts on what's called the Appalachian Baptist network. And so it is really a, a weekly podcast that we put out. It's normally 20 to 30 minutes each week and it deals with different content, whether last week's episode, I guess it's this week's episode dealt with suicide Mm -hmm. um we have some episodes um to deal with that we have some episodes dealing with pastors mental health um because we had a a brother in christ who passed away that was very influential in a lot of our co-hosts lives with darren patrick and so you know looking at kind of the idea of the sabbath to some degree of you've got to take some time for yourself but if well i mean we 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 actually talked about this too i mean the whole thing is was shocking in itself yeah and so but then we also deal with issues such as what is culture. We might look at something that's going on nationally and look at how does that affect us in in Appalachia. Um, we look at issues such as COVID-19 and what are different churches doing? What are safe ways to open back up? What are some things maybe, maybe God's showing us that maybe we need to do differently? And so it's just a weekly podcast where we look at not just from a Baptist perspective, but how do we do ministry in the churches of Appalachia? Right. But so, and and you know as we talked about today, you know some of this is not necessarily uh, denominational. Yeah. And and you know and I I know many of you guys that are part of that group and 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 it's truly a blessing to listen to you guys each week. So I encourage folks uh, check that out. Just look up Appalachian or Appalachian Baptist Appalachian Network. Baptist Network. Um, you can get it where you get podcasts. Um, you know, listen to us, listen to them, listen to all of them. You know? Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's true helps. And, uh, and, and, you know, as a listener of that podcast, I do find a lot of help, a lot of gain, 
uh, for myself in that um, through what God is doing through you guys. So I do appreciate you taking the time to come in and talk with me today and uh, definitely look forward to maybe having you on again soon. Yeah, sounds good, man. I appreciate it. So again, that's Matthew Jacobs from Cross North Baptist Church. He's a youth pastor there. Uh, if you need to speak with him, look him up. Just search for him on um, any of the social media. Look up Cross North Baptist Church. You can find him there. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever heard him speak, you know, great, great guy. <laughs> he he looks exactly like he sounds. <laughs> uh, no, but no, we we do appreciate his time and um, and I tell you, as we close out, would you mind just praying yeah, for us? I'll pray for us. Yeah. Dear Lord, thank you so much for today, God. Thank you for time for the time you give us as brothers. Lord, just to, to spend time in fellowship and God, talk about a very serious thing. I mean, it's one of the commandments you give us in in Sabbath and Sabbath rest. And so, Lord, I just pray for those who are listening to this right now. God, let them reflect on their own lives and say, God, am I am I resting in you? God, am I, am I taking a, a dedicated time daily to rest in your word and rest in prayer and communication and fellowship with you, God? But, and, and when I... When I'm at church, when I am with the body, am I there thinking about the 600 other different things I would need to do when I leave, or are we giving you all of ourselves there? And so, God, I pray for, for the everyday church member, God, to see the importance of resting in you, but, Lord, I also pray for the pastor that hears this, God, that they see the severity of this, God, that if they want to be longevity, they want to be able to do the work that you've called them to long-term, God, they have got to see and feel the weight of resting in you daily, and weekly the God you did not create us to run 24 7 you give us the example as the creator of all things that rest is part of how you created us and Lord that we ultimately find the best rest in our lives in you and Lord I pray that you're impressed that upon their hearts it's in Christ's name we pray amen amen Thanks for tuning in with the Where the Wild Things Aren't podcast. You can join us each week. We try to get an episode up by 12 noon every Friday. We are very blessed to be able to bring this to you. Hope that you can find peace where the wild things aren't. Listen on wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow it. Click it to download so you can get the newest episodes. And again, we thank you for listening to Where the Wild Things Aren't. <laughs>